Hello and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George, joined with Scott, Seth, and Anna, and uh, all of you. Glad to be back. Another episode, another uh, day on this journey of transformation that uh, we're on. And the truth is that the journey of transformation is an ongoing ever going process, right? We're all on it and none of us arrive, but there is something good and beautiful about awakening to the ways that we're growing and changing and transforming um, to live better lives and to have more meaningful relationships, to know ourselves more deeply. Um, so we're glad that you're joining us. And today we want to talk to you about Along the Bob Wire. So far, this is one of my favorite days. And Scott's favorite day is always the day we're on. So <laughs> I've never said that before. But this chapter begins with a story about a woman named Eddie, uh, a Jewish prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp. She has written uh, a whole bunch of letters over a two to three year period that chronicled uh, her experience. And she wrote in one letter this, the misery here is quite terrible and yet, Late at night, when the day has slunk away into the depths behind me, I often walk with a spring in my step along the barbed wire, and then time and again, it soars straight from my heart. I cannot help it. That's just the way it is, like some elementary force, the feeling that life is glorious and magnificent, and that one day we shall be building a whole new world. What a powerful and difficult paradigm uh, to live from, especially knowing uh, Eddie's uh, circumstance and situation. But Scott, you say if we can find joy in the midst of suffering, then we found a new paradigm to see the world from. And I believe that is the spiritual journey for all of us. And it has been for me. You know, when I read her book the first time and I read that paragraph, I knew that it I just read a paragraph that would change my life hmm. because the, the reality that she was living in and, this, and to walk along the barbed wire fence with a skip in her step hmm. and, and, the, and that hell that she was in. And I was thinking, I, I felt convicted of how I do not walk with a skip in my step when I'm in difficult places of some form of suffering. I, and, and I think the difference for her that she taught me and that I'm trying to grow into is that she wasn't focusing on the problem. She was focusing on the solution, which was her spirit. She was free. Mm. She was free. You could not take from her ever, no matter what you do to her, you could not steal from her what she had. And mm. um, I think, is that not the spiritual journey? And I look at, for me, I'm in bondage to all these things I say I have to have that should be right. It's got to be this way. And until I have that or have this, or if this is this way, I'm going to be miserable. And I make myself miserable. Mm. And, and, and I have the choice. And I was telling you guys earlier that Frankl said when he was in Auschwitz that the German captors had more liberty than he had but that he had more freedom. Mm. And I think that's what I read. So she Eddie's. she found freedom from within, although outwardly she was surrounded by Bob Wire. It reminds me of, um, I remember a teacher-parent meeting I had with 
my youngest daughter, uh, teacher, and uh, Kayla's a lot like me. She's a bit ADD, loves to imagine and dream. <laughs> but I remember, I can't remember what grade it was, but it was in, uh, um, I was probably in grade school. But uh, the teacher at the parent conference thing, she said, Kayla has a tendency to daydream and and after sitting with this teacher for about 20 minutes, I was thinking to myself, well, it's obviously the world inside her head is much more interesting with in the classroom. And so the, the, the truth is, is that, uh, and I think this is true for every human being, we just have to believe it's possible that we can experience freedom and see things and other kinds of emotions, even when we're surrounded by things that could be very confining. And Can I real fast too, yeah. just to say, because I think it's valuable to address that there is a difference between um, like completely disconnecting and disassociating from the pain of the moment and finding a deeper place amidst the pain mm-hmm. of the moment. There's a difference there. One of them is like, I'm no longer, you know, here because I've disassociated. I've left my body and one you know that's an unhealthy it can be an unhealthy one it's a coping mechanism but then there's the kind that we're talking about of i am more deeply present right now and there's something that's holding me amidst the difficult moment that i'm yeah. in yeah she was looking yeah. at the barbed wire fence she wasn't denying it mm-hmm. um it didn't look yeah. like a she was surrounded by a better of flowers yeah um so that's a good point there's a place for the the human soul and heart and being to be fully present where it's at and acknowledging the truth and the reality of it. And actually, Eddie said this, Scott, if you fight against the barbed wire, it will always win, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, unnecessary comes from, this unnecessary suffering comes from resisting what is, and she doesn't do that. So, but Seth, um, you talk about how having a new paradigm is the only way to exist inside of something that we can't change. Talk to us a little about that. Yeah, um, and when we were prepping for that, the way that came from for me was, we, you know, we just experienced a, 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 this year's first snowpocalypse, right, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And and it, what was coming up for me was, um, right as we were planning for this, it was the first day of, I think, the first or second day of the snow hitting. And what was the memories from when the pandemic was happening and we were stuck in you know our homes for months, that memory was coming up for me. It was surfacing again, and I was beginning to feel like, oh no, we're going to be trapped um, in this. And that was it was a difficult time for me um, those early days of the pandemic. And and I and so I just remember I was outside on a walk with um, my three year old son Pax, and we were on our backs doing um, snow angels. And I was just witnessing the snow falling. And and it was just this surreal moment of, of, I don't know how to describe it besides, like I was so present with my son and witnessing the uh, sheer, brilliant, beauty, wonderful moment of the snow coming down. Like I found this moment of like, I'm here, no matter what's happening, um, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, and and it, and it was just, it was this. It feels a bit like how do you have this walking, uh, with skipping in your step in a in a concentration camp, is some kind of access to some 
not woo woo, but different dimension, right? Where I'm, mm-hmm. it's a quality for me, like of being held amidst suffering. So, which is, which you could just say is the presence of God, mm. I think. But yeah, I, I do think having, like you, you quoted me, having a new paradigm is the only way to exist inside of something you can't change. And that moment in the snow for me was, was realizing, um, um, I'm gonna be okay. I am held. I am. There's something deeper here than 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 these other feelings of being trapped. Yeah, it was a, it was a new way of seeing. That was the paradigm. Yeah, and it was a shift. And you experienced that with the people that you thought you were gonna be trapped with, <laughs> which right. is so beautiful. Yeah. They became a part of the <laughs> the beautiful experience of uh-huh. it, which is so wonderful. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think mm. those opportunities are availed to us all the time. We just need to have the willingness to to open ourselves to them. Anna, mm-hmm. um, you talk about how a prison often is the paradigm we live within. If Seth wouldn't have had the unction to open up his paradigm, he could have missed out on that moment. Yeah, so help us a little bit. How, how do we uh, move out of the paradigm we're living within to, to see something expand like, like Eddie? Uh, yeah, I think that's... Uh some of our most challenging life's work is to free ourselves from the prison of our own paradigm um, because we all have a set of beliefs about um, ourselves, about the world we live in that has been formed very uniquely through each individual's story, right? Through um, just the personality you were born with, the body you were born with, the um culture you were born within, the family you were born within, it creates a really unique story for each person, right? And um, you have formed a, a, a message and a belief about yourself and about the world, and that's largely how we operate through what we believe. Scott has said this over and over, and it's it's so true. We don't believe what we see. We see what we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we tend to find things that affirm what we already feel like we know. And um, that can become like a, a prison for us, right? We're showing up in the world and in repeated ways looking for what we already believe to be true, which for every person is not entirely accurate, right? We all see through, um, I love that verse um, that Paul talks about, we, we see through a, a glass darkly. And it's so like all of us have um, some sort of a warped lens, right, from our own experiences. It's We're not going to see things exactly as they are. And so that's our challenge is to be able to shift the way that we think, the way that we view uh, our, our paradigm to understand, first of all, the, the, the paradigm that we, we, we kind of operate out of. Like, what is this, this kind of internal mental prison that I'm living in, right? How am I repeating patterns that I believe to be true by living them out because I believed them to be true? Um, And kind of finding a way to take that to account to like rewire our neural pathways, to be thinking new thoughts, to um, consider looking through a different type of lens. Isn't that what Eddie helps us do, Anna? Yeah, Like doesn't Eddie, like, because you're like, you, you, you could read this story and go, well, she's a, just an exceptional, unique human being. Or you can go, oh my gosh, like, is that really possible? And right. um, yeah, just so Eddie helps us like expand 
the fact that maybe we could believe and and see differently. Absolutely, and maybe because it's true for us the, too. That she she was imprisoned. That that yeah. fact didn't change, but but she did not allow them to imprison her mind and her heart. Right, mm. her body was imprisoned. She she did not have freedom. But there is there only you have agency and authority over what your what thoughts you think and the feelings that you feel, and you can choose what to think and believe and feel. It didn't it didn't change her circumstance. Ultimately, her story did not end. She did not have a happy ending to her story. She did not have the mm. ending that she hoped. But here's the thing. She could have chosen to let her her paradigm, her mind, her thoughts hold her prison, right? She could have given in to despair. How much sadder would the ending of her story been if she had not lived her final days in hope and in happiness and finding delight in something that could bring her joy, Right. We can't change our circumstances, but in changing our thoughts, that does change everything about how our story is lived out, right? Would you rather, you know, live with with hope and positivity, not knowing what the ending is going to be? Or would you rather just resign yourself to despair, not knowing what the ending is going to be? I feel like scripture tells us that I put life and death before you choose life. And that has everything to do with the thoughts that we think. Mm. Eddie, Eddie did it, Seth did it, um, which is creating space for something outside of feeling trapped or outside of feeling um, confined by Bob wire. She created space for joy and hope. And uh, joy and hope can find us if we, if we will make space for it, right? The, Scott, the, and I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on this, but um, you actually... I quoted a text that, out of Romans that Paul says, and I'd like to just talk about this a bit and what this means to you and what this means to us and, and the truth of this. But it says, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Wow. Um, if suffering leads ultimately to hope, if I can persevere and allow it to form me into a uh, a more meaningful kind of character, and it leads to hope. Then, then, man, I, I think I I might find a way to to make it through. But Scott, how, how what does this mean to you? Well, the next paragraph is one of my favorites in in the whole book. But it's I'm getting it now. Before this moment, I'd been trying to tear the ball wire down in my mind. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that would catapult me out of my suffering. I wanted something or someone to rescue me from my plight. I wanted to change my circumstances, but I wasn't wanting to change my character. And I was making some notes as you guys were talking and that this is this is the paradigm shift that I hope the whole book helps the readers, but it's what I have personally been going through. And that is, that's just, this is this paragraph really is how I've lived, been living my life. I don't want circumstances to be the way they are. I just abhor them. I, and I want to do anything or find some way to escape them. But I don't, I don't want to accept them like Eddie did and allow them to actually grow my character. What I believe that mm-hmm. verse says, and I really didn't understand that verse as well as I do after reading her book, that, you know, how do you, how do you get hope out of suffering? By us, the ability to sit in it and suffer in it and to endure it. 
and to allow it to shape my character. That really is the only thing I can control. We cannot control circumstances. As Henry Nouwen says, if we keep focusing on what we wish will be different, we're, we're, we're never going to find true hope. True hope is what she found. From stimulus mm. to response, we have the power to choose. And I just feel like instead of focusing on becoming, of being, to be this type of man of character, that's where my hope is going to grow from. Because the reality is, as all the listeners know, we cannot change the circumstances that, that we're facing. We can only change ourselves and how we respond to those circumstances. And that is what this whole book is about. And so from stimulus to response, I do have the power and the freedom to make that choice, as she did, as Dr. Victor Frankl did, as other people I've known in my life. I've known people who've gotten um, a diagnosis that um, there was no cure for, that, and how they faced it and accepted it and actually used it. And we were so, just talking in the last uh, episode on the idea of self-image and how as much as we um, express that and get affirmation in it, it ultimately leads to shame. Now we're talking about suffering, and yet in the midst of suffering, being shaped at the deepest authentic place of who we are. And could it be that the realization of that kind of transformation, when we awaken to it's actually happening and you begin to see it and believe that it's happening to you, that it's actually what's happening to you and not around you that is producing joy and hope. Like, so if that, if we take that text at face value and we take Eddie at face value, it is true. It is true joy and hope comes in how we are being formed, no matter what it is that is happening around us. But here's what I think would just be a, a good spot for us to, to maybe just flesh out and wrap our hearts around. But I just wonder individually, how how what's working for us? How do we get from suffering to hope? You know, what does that look like, you guys, for us in our lives? Because um, I identify with what Scott is saying. It's like the only thing that brings any kind of makes any sense out of any of that is when you do look back and you go, "Oh wow, look what has happened to me, and look what I'm becoming uh, in spite of that." Anna, Seth, what, what's suffering to hope look like for you? What, what do you think are some of the, the key things that you practice and open your heart to? Okay, I guess, I guess I'll take a stab at this. Um, <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, suffering is something that, um, unfortunately, I am well acquainted with in my life. And I've, I have been grappling with it quite a bit, particularly over the last couple of weeks. And how do I how do I practically move forward from where do you find hope in that? Like what 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 does hope look like even in the midst of that for you, Anna? Okay. So for me, I'll, I'll say um the uh the the holiday season that we just came through was absolutely excruciating for me this year. My family of origin is not just broken, it's shattered. And um, my immediate family, myself and my children, we're all quite broken because of just a lot of generational trauma. 
Um, and that is very much amplified in the holiday season because it's a time where people gather with their families. And I don't have family to gather with. Um, my kids are all very siloed as they are individually dealing with their own personal trauma stories. And to just sit in that for days on end, like as the holiday season passes and everything kind of slows to a stop and people are gathering with their families, it just was really hard. And so my circumstances are absolutely not what I want them to be, obviously, right? But I think as I stopped to reflect about, you know, okay, this is where I am. What is it that I do have agency over? If Mm -hmm. I want this time next year to look and feel differently than I feel right now, both for me and for my children, what are some practical steps that I can take that I can be proactive in this coming year to make next year look and feel different? You allowed the pain to point you toward what you would hope for. Yeah. And, so you, and, yeah. Wow. and to build some, some progress of, okay, mm-hmm. if, if I don't want this to be a repeat, what are, what are things that I can do differently? So yeah. I've, 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 I've made a plan <laughs> next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting with baby steps. We're, we're actually going to, we're going to be gone. I'm going to, I'm going to take my kids on a vacation over Thanksgiving break. Like that's not usually when people go on vacations. Actually, we don't go on vacations mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> Because I'm a single mom, but I'm stepping out in faith and taking baby steps and we're going to do it. We're going to go away so that we are not sitting home, sitting in just the grief and the ongoing trauma. And I'm being proactive about what I can control. Wow. Anna, when I heard heard you say that, that's suffering to perseverance, perseverance to character and character to hope. Oh, wow. That like your, your story's following that pattern. It just, it just <laughs> might be true, <laughs> as we all would hope it would be, because it might make some sense of some of the suffering that is just unwarranted in our lives. Uh, Seth, what, what do you say to this? Like, how, how do we move from suffering to hope? Because that's obviously, obviously what Eddie does, and, and I'm starting to believe that maybe it's not just true for her, it's true for all of us. It's a good question <laughs> that I'm still um, <laughs> um, working through in my mind. How do we move from suffering to hope? I think some of this, at least for me, has to do with defining the difference between suffering and difficulty versus um, unnecessary suffering, mm-hmm. which is a, a adjective you used earlier. Um, I heard it said, and I want to bring this back to something personal here, but to start with, um, I heard it said that there is our there's there's our experience then there's our awareness of our experience, and then there's the story we tell ourselves about the experience. Mm. That's what causes the unnecessary suffering. The story, the story we're telling, we're telling ourselves about the experience, about which, which experience. for you just most recently was, I'm confined. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and exactly. then you, in that confinement, you heard another story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that suffering was, um, you know, I think it's Roar that talks about great love and great suffering is what um, wakes you up mm. um, to to start living a different life, you know, um, and not perpetuating the suffering um, that you don't want anymore. And so for me, that was like, um, I had to recognize that this, the story I'm telling myself about this experience is the the exact 
obstacle that that is you know hindering me from being able to just have this experience and, re- and figure out what else is here or see this differently. And so I think suffering within suffering, there's always an obstacle um, or an invitation. And I was initially starting off like this is an obstacle because I'm going to be trapped. Um, and then I was able to move into um, now this is an invitation. Um, I don't have to keep telling myself the story that this isn't. This is going to be the exact same as it was last time we were in our. I was in my home. I don't have to keep telling myself that story. Um, but what woke me up to realize that was just simply becoming present. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is, to me, to be present involves perseverance and character, right? Like, because the impulse is to to run and hide, <laughs> to, um, to not be fully present. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to follow this pattern here of suffering, perseverance, the character, to hope. And it sounds like you're following the same pattern and have experienced that. In that very same way. I think so. Maybe there's some truth in this Bible of ours, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Scott, let me ask you this. Is this true just for Eddie? Or is this the possibility for every human being? Every, every single human being. From stimulus to response, we have this ability, this power, freedom to make our choice. Um, I, I wanted to say this that as you guys were all talking that uh, I, I heard I read this in a um, devotional on a contemplative devotional on being quiet, but it said that he said that God you were God you were patient with me to see what you've been wanting me to see, hmm. and I think that what Anna was saying and Seth was saying that how I respond to my circumstances, I think that's what God has been so patient for me to see what he wants me to see, that there's a different choice, that there's a different way, that there's actually a deeper freedom beyond anything I've ever experienced if I'll just stand still and be strong and and wait through this process instead of trying to always run away from it, always trying to run out of it. Most of the time, and I think most of our listeners would agree, our attempts to run away just run us into further despair, into even greater struggles, um, instead of just facing it and allowing it to teach us and actually birth in us something uh, that I've never had, character. And I really believe that in a society that character becomes less and less important and achievements become far more how we uh, you know define a person's value that you know I can actually lose more and develop a character that's far more valuable than what I've lost hmm. and that's the paradigm it's what I am truly believing is is what is important here. Because it's so going to what Anna was saying. Yeah, it's going to determine how I'm seeing everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. So what is forming in us, outside of what is happening around us, is the substance of what truly brings joy and hope. Uh, that's what and that's, I'm kind that's of hearing what, from... That's what Eddie, and that's what she yeah. found. It's what she's yeah. teaching us, her life. You both referred to uh, what story we're telling ourselves in, in the midst of that. And so uh, there was a question you asked at the end of this, 
chapter to ask yourself, what emotion is telling the story? Is it shame and guilt? And stop listening. <laughs> um, and so maybe we need to stop listening to the stories of shame and guilt or how things were so bad last time and just open up as uh, honestly as we can to just the possibility that maybe this time it'll be different. But I'm going to quote Scott Real uh, to end this episode because <laughs> he won't quote himself. But he said this, existence is not living. It's not really being alive. You're just breathing. You're just here. God created us for growth. Hope and growth exist simultaneously. They're, they are enmeshed. So choose to live even in the midst of pain. Take the step toward a new beginning that will rewrite the ending of your life. Now is the time. And friends, that's what we're inviting you to, um, just to stop existing. And maybe the pathway to that is a process of transformation that is uh, forming character. And through perseverance, even in suffering, that that character will if this is true, what happened to Eddie and what is happening to all of us in different circumstances in our lives, then perhaps it's the transformation that's happening with us that really brings us the most joy and hope. So if you need some help on the journey, we'd love to help you. There's many resources at Restore's website. You can visit us at restoresmallgroups.org um, to find some of those resources. You can also learn about groups that you can join. But uh, if you need some help along the journey, reach out to us. Um, we'd be glad to help you. And over every mountain, there is a path, and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends. Hey, friends, it's Scott. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Searching Inward podcast. If you've benefited from enjoying listening or have benefited in any way from the podcast, we would love for you to come alongside us and join us in the mission of to bring hope and healing to the world. While you're considering becoming a monthly giver of just even $5, you're helping us make a huge impact in the ways in which we're able to serve. So please consider giving by going to restoresmallgroups.org. Donate. God bless you and thank you.